0: basketball what's going on everybody welcome back to another episode of the atlantic files the number one podcast on the number one division in the nba brought to you by basketball society online.com and the underdog sports podcast network so this week i have a very short one for you we have two main topics that we want to touch this week and they involve the knicks and the raptors this time so but as always I want to start off with the standings. So we have the Sixers in first in the Atlantic and the East at 10 and 5. The Celtics in second in the Atlantic and the East at 8 and 5. The Nets are in third at 9 and 7. That's good for fifth overall in the East. Fourth is the Knicks at 8 and 8, which is six overall. And fifth is the Raptors at 5 and 9. So. To kick things off, we are talking New York Knicks because they have the number one ranked defense in the league. Thank you, Tibbs. I mean, that's just the Tibbs special right there. All about defense, all about grit, all about, you know, playing as many minutes as you can before your legs fall off. That is just the Tibbs special. So big shout out to the Knicks. Number one defense in the league. Probably if they had a couple more quality guards And even like a couple more quality wings, they probably would have, they probably would be up in the top four seeds in the East, to be honest. Um, But the main thing I want to highlight here, I should say the main person I want to highlight here is R.J. Barrett. So in the last five games, he's finally seems to start Stepping it up in terms of his shooting percentages and his scoring all around. So I just want to touch on what he's been doing. So last year, his rookie year, in the 56 games he played, he shot 40% from the floor and 32% from three. His effective field goal percentage was only 44.5, and he only shot 61% from the free throw line. Still put up 14 points, 5 rebounds, almost 3 assists a game. I mean, he's going to put up a lot of the counting stats because he was given the ball a lot. He played 30.4 minutes a game. And, you know, with the Knicks where they are, they're going to be pushing, developing their younger guys. So, obviously, he was getting every chance and opportunity to really cash in and be the best he could be. The shooting percentages didn't really follow that. They they weren't the best they could be. Um, but in all fairness, if we go back to his college days, now he did, uh, he did shoot 45.4% from the floor, but only 30% from three and 66.5% from the free throw line when he was at Duke. 45% from the floor, that's that's perfectly fine, um, especially for a wing. That is a perfectly good percentage from the floor. Obviously, with Duke, you know, with Zion on the other side his, as his teammate, he's going to get a lot of more open looks as well than he would on the Knicks where there's not that many people you really have to worry about. Um, he, I mean, when you watch, too, most of his shots were coming from, like, You know, mid-range, elbow extended, in the paint, dunks, floaters, layups. All of those have been really good for R.J. Barrett. But when it comes to shooting from the outside, not so great. Um, Out of the, like I said, he he shot 30% from three. So out of those 237 threes he attempted in college, he only made 73 of them. It sounds a little bit worse when you actually hear the exact numbers about it instead of just the percentage. (laughs) But... Uh, that pretty much translated because in his rookie year shot 32% from three. Now let's let's talk about what he's been doing overall this season. In the 16 games so far that they've played this season, he's shooting 40.8, so 0.6% better from the floor. However, he's shooting 23.5% from three. And the bad part is he's averaging at least, well, not at least, but almost one more three-pointer attempt per game so he's shooting more making less which is obviously a recipe for disaster um his two point percentage has gone up his effective field goal percentage though has gone down from 44.5 to 43.9 and at least he's getting to the free throw line a little bit more and he's shooting it a little bit better from the free throw line at 75.3 percent average wise 17.8 points 7.3 uh, 7.3 rebounds, 3.5 assists. So, average wise, still doing very well. Um, he is playing about 37 minutes a game, which is kind of understandable with it being Tibbs as the head coach. Um, and he's actually, you know, uh, lessened the turnovers per game, too. So, now we look at that. So, let's look at the last five games that he played because he's been on fire lately. He has shot 51.4% from the floor, 38.9% from three, 86.7% from the free throw line, all the way to an average of 21.8 points, 6.4 rebounds, and 3.6 assists a game with a plus minus of plus 11.8. That's just in the last five games. Now, Obviously, five-game sample. However, that is a very promising five-game stretch from R.J. Barrett, especially with it still being early on in the season. Um, We all know also that a lot of sophomores tend to get that sophomore slump, but if he's breaking through a barrier and if he's improving on those really poor percentages, there is reason for excitement in New York. Um the other thing is, I think that, you know, seeing this success in this second season with the Knicks, where he saw, you know, just a lot of dark days in his rookie year, I think is also something that will build someone's confidence. You're seeing the team win more games. Um I feel like at this point last year, the Knicks might have won like three games. They're five hundred right now. At one point, they were above five hundred too. And that's only going to be a positive because it gets you, I mean you're happier that you're winning more games you're more excited because you know you have a chance in games and it's not just led by guys jacking up a whole bunch of shots it's led by the defense which like I said is number one in the NBA so The the crazy thing to me about R.J. Barrett, though, is he looks comfortable shooting the ball. It's not some crazy shooting form like Lonzo Ball or Ben Simmons or any of those guys. It's not some crazy hitch in his shot or anything. He looks comfortable. The form looks decent. He steps into his shot. He still looks confident taking threes and everything. They just aren't going in. Um, And I think that the reason... I still have some hope for R.J. Barrett to turn into the superstar that a lot of people thought he was going to is in and of that reason itself. It's the fact that his form looks fine, his confidence looks fine, he can still make make offense happen in the paint, in the mid-range, at the rim, and he has a lot of tools that he can use to still give the team some very impactful minutes when he's on the floor. It, the one thing I think that he really needs to work on, other than obviously just shooting, 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 is that it looks to me at a lot of times that he moves better off the ball than he does with the ball. Now, it, obviously, it's a little bit easier to move off the ball because you don't have to worry about dribbling, someone stealing it, blah, 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 blah. But when I watch him off the ball, he looks very engaged. He looks ready to shoot at all times. But when I see him moving with the ball, it's a lot of times where it looks to me like he gets tunnel vision, thinks he knows what spot he wants to get to, gets there, but then it ends up being a bad shot. Um, sometimes he just decides, okay, I'm just going to jack it up because I don't know what dribble move to make. Um, sometimes he just doesn't get separation, whatever it may be. Just, it, I like his movement off the ball. However, the dribble moves getting separation with the ball in his hands, creating his shot, um, not just in the paint, but other places needs some work. And I think that he's definitely on his way there, but we still have to wait and see. Personally, I think R.J. Barrett will definitely be an all-star. Some people think differently. You guys let us know. Let us know in the comments who you think will, well, if R.J. Barrett will be an all-star or not. So let's move on to the Toronto Raptors real fast. I want to talk about Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet. A lot of people who have listened to this podcast know that I really like Pascal Siakam. I've been hyping him up ever since his rookie season, and he has grown into a very good player. Fred Van Vliet got himself paid. Undersized guard, pretty much like a Kyle Lowry type, except not as physical as Kyle Lowry in terms of Um, you know using his body in the paint anything like that Um, but worked himself up to get paid playing uh, also a good player but are Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet actually Toronto's future that's what I want to ask because we've been watching this season and Toronto has been very 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 inconsistent Toronto has lost a lot of games that they last year they never would have lost or even the year before and it's very puzzling exactly what happened to this team because they didn't really lose all that many all that much from the team from last season they lost Marcus Hall and Serge Ibaka yes Ibaka definitely being a big part last season because he had one of his best seasons however those are two guys that should be replaceable they should not be irreplaceable pieces for this team Um, And so that obviously brings the attention to Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam because they're the ones that are supposed to be carrying this team, especially because we don't know how much longer Lowry is going to be there or even be playing basketball because Lowry is getting older. I'm not saying he's super old or anything. I'm not saying he's like lost a step or two or anything like that either, but you have to think about it because... Siakam and Fred Van Vliet are both 26 years old. So these are the guys that are going to be around there for the future. Um, Fred Van Vliet has stepped up his scoring. However, his percentages have taken a step back. Just like I was talking about with RJ Barrett, he has one or he's shooting two more shots a game, but making them at at a lesser clip. And when it comes to threes, he's taking three more a game and hitting those at a lesser clip. So, From the floor, he's shooting 40.9%. From three, he's shooting 36.4. Good enough for an effective field goal percentage of 50.8. Free throw line, he's been fine. He's 84% for his career. He's been perfectly fine with that. Um, But as far as averages go, 19.4 points, 6.5 assists, 4 rebounds, 1.3 steals a game. Averages, decent, everything pretty good. Uh, averaging about the same minutes per game as last season, actually exactly the same, 35.7. Um, but there's a lot of times when he just doesn't really look like a factor on the floor. He doesn't look like a impact player right now um there's a lot of times when he's out there and it's just kind of like he's invisible because he's missing shots and then once he misses them he's kind of retracting and not being as confident and the playmaking wasn't there all the time so there's a lot of times where it's questionable exactly what his role is at times when he's not Hitting his shots. Um, Pascal Siakam actually took a little bit of a step back so far this year. Last year, he averaged 22.9 points a game. This year, 18.8. About the same rebounds, a little over 7. He's averaging actually 1.2 more assists per game, but his steals and blocks are down. Turnovers are up to 2.5. Fouls, he's averaging one more foul a game. He's averaging 3.8 fouls a game obviously nowhere near good because that means you're getting pretty close to fouling out almost every game um also percentages from the floor his have taken steps back uh, the last couple years in 1819 he was shooting 54.9 from the floor last year 45.3 this year 43.9 and then from three He's only shooting 25%, which is his worst percentage since his sophomore season in 2017-18. Uh, by a pretty wide margin too, by like 10 or 11%. And then effective field goal wise only 47.4 from the free throw line, not bad, 78.6. Um so overall like while the offense and like the the averages look okay are because they're usage is up there. They're they're one of they're two of the big three in Toronto. It's Lowry, Van Vliet, Siakam. So they're getting the ball all the time because that is the game plan. Those are your best players. You're going to get the ball as the best player. But are these the guys that are actually going to lead them in the future, especially with how this season has gone? Okay, one excuse I guess you could put out there is the fact that they're not playing in Toronto this season. They're playing in Tampa Bay, which is uncomfortable. However, Lowry has come out and said, "Look, we're grown men, we're adults. We shouldn't be able to, we shouldn't be able to use this excuse like if we're still playing the game we love. We're it's a, it's a stadium without fans anyway. So it's not like you all of a sudden don't have your fans. Everyone doesn't have their fans." so that doesn't really play a factor and honestly it's warmer in Tampa Bay than it is in Toronto so I mean it should be a little happier because you're in a warmer climate <laughs> I mean it should be just a little more enjoyable um but neither of these guys are shooting well uh from the floor nor from three they are a lot of the times don't look that comfortable. Both seem to force a lot of very tough shots, a lot of shots that they kind of look like they're just throwing up there to to hope and pray that they get out of a slump, and it just doesn't work. They're forcing a lot of stuff, like Siakam is forcing these crazy layups with, like, two people covering him, missing completely, and even trying to spin every single chance he gets, which is, just stop spinning, Pascal. Please, stop. (laughs) um and defense wise both of them have a 112 defensive rating that is 112 points per 100 possessions that's pretty poor (laughs) that is pretty bad um then they both have negative defensive box plus minuses are they only made to be the quality starter that could be your two three punch not the one-two punch, but, like, the two-three, or maybe the three-four? Like, do these two need a superstar? It really seems like, right now, that they need a Kawhi. They need a a Giannis to come, like, as they... Uh, hoped he would before he signed that super max in Milwaukee they need somebody like that because right now it seems as though Van Vliet and Siakam are both crumbling under the pressure of having to be the number one and two guys on the team and that's even with Kyle Lowry who's still taking a lot of the number one number two duties and the floor general duties that you know they don't even need to do it the team right now just isn't crumbling because of like just Nick Nurse's coaching or just being in Tampa Bay instead of Toronto like it starts at, your, at the top and comes down these two guys aren't exactly giving you the efficient and great results that you need to be winning more games. And so that's going down through the ranks. And then the big men aren't really producing for you as much. Boucher's giving you like a really good game every other game. And OG finally started picking it up. But, you know, he hasn't been the number three option that they wanted him to be either. So I think it's start th- starting to get to the time to ask, are these two the actual future? Do you need to put everything on the line to get a superstar to add to these two? Or can you take these two and hopefully get like a decent enough draft pick to then build up with them? I mean, I think it could go either way but that's it for me guys thank you for listening to another episode of the atlantic files the number one podcast on the number one division in the nba brought to you by basketball society online.com and the underdog sports podcast network thank you guys for listening appreciate all of you make sure you subscribe to the youtube you subscribe to apple podcast spotify everywhere you get your podcast we are on there at the atlantic files and basketball society um make sure you drop a like a comment give us a rating love to hear your guys thoughts thank you and i'll catch you guys next week peace